Good morning, everyone. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Brian, and uh, I have the privilege with my wife and uh, a team of elders and deacons of leading West Point Church. And uh, before I get into what I want to say in a moment, I want to take a moment with the West Point folk in the room to thank all the Sarepta folk in the room. Uh, a few months ago, in, uh, after lockdown, we had been online for seven months, which was um, a blessing that we had a digital space to engage with, but also, you know, it's really difficult to be apart. And after seven months of lockdown, your wonderful pastor, Alan, gave me a phone call and said, if you ever need a space to meet, please come and meet in our facility in the, in the afternoons. And uh, you opened up your facility for us, and you know we had a, a lockdown over December, but for that last portion of last year and for the whole of this year, uh, we've had the wonderful privilege of being able to meet, uh, meet in person, because the church is a gathered body together in one room. And so uh, we are so appreciative of you, uh, Sarepta Church, for, for giving your space or letting us use your space. As a result, our kids have been able to hear the gospel. We've been able to hear the gospel. Uh, people have joined our church over the last few months. We've been able to worship together. And so can all the West Point folk in the room give a big round of applause to the Sarepta folk to say thank you. So this morning, uh, some of you might be aware, most of you are aware, we have a, a big announcement to make, uh, some news that we believe God has been stirring in our community for the last uh, you know, few months. And in order for us to effectively communicate this and uh, leave no gray area, we've written a letter to both West Point and Sarepta, and that letter will come up on the screen, and I'm just simply going to read it to you as we follow along. Dear West Point and Sarepta Church, Together, our two churches tell of God's wonderful purpose to redeem the earth. As your pastors, we are continually seeking the Lord's wisdom and guidance as we join Him as He builds His church. Recently, we have felt the pleasure of the Holy Spirit in our togetherness. We have enjoyed connection and growing intimacy among our two communities. What began as a knitting of hearts between the Blackmans and the Barnes family uh, has extended into our two churches. With this in mind, we have some exciting news to share with you. After prayer and consultation with our respective apostolic partners, we believe that God is calling us into committed unity of mission and mandate. We are thus in conversation, anticipating that we will merge our two churches in the near future. We believe that out of two, God is creating one. A new family with an increased urgency and conviction, but with a mission that remains the same since Jesus instituted the church, which is the way of Jesus for the renewal of all things. We believe that Sarepta and West Point Church, God's people, are being called to join as a new community in the Upper Highway area under a new name, Ecclesia. We ask that you pray for us as we continue to seek God and look forward to look toward a shared future. Through prayer and apostolic consultation, we have decided that Ecclesia will be led by Brian and Caitlin Barnes. They will have the close support of Alan and Mary Ellen Blackman within a broader eldership team. We will also establish a diaconate to meet the functional needs of the church. Of course, there are many details that require our prayer and consideration, including more details, uh, sorry, including a more detailed timeline towards a launch. 
Once we have fleshed these things out with greater clarity, we will share them with you. From the 30th of May, so this is from next Sunday, West Point Church will meet at 8.30 a.m. each Sunday on the Sarepta campus, which is right here. Sarepta will meet after this at 10.30 a.m. We are expectant that this will enable us to enjoy closer relationship and so facilitate a deeper connection as we look toward a shared future. We want to thank you for your continued support as you trust the decisions we make in the spirit. We value and appreciate your prayers. God bless Brian and Caitlin Barnes, Ellen, and Mary Ellen Blackman, and this is on behalf of our two eldership teams. So, <laughs> if I can ask you just to stand and just pray with us. As Abraham ob- obeyed when he was called, Not knowing where he was going, so we venture into a journey of faith, into the future with our great shepherd, our good shepherd, our guiding shepherd. And he leads us into new pastures, pastures where we've never been before. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge that you are our good shepherd and we thank you that we have everything we need to live our lives in the fullness of you. We lack absolutely nothing. Because of you, we get to rest in your love and your peace. And there you restore and revive us. You lead us along your footsteps or righteousness. Why? We thank you, Lord that we might bring glory to your name. Even when things seem uncertain and unsure, your comfort and your peace are our strength. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. I want you to echo that now. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us All the days of our lives. Let's say it again. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. We look with excitement to this new venture with you. And we ask and we declare that your kingdom would come in this upper highway area and in the valleys below. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. Amen. Amen. Well done. Thank you. Just for uh, just information, Costa Mitchell will be here on the weekend of the, the 11th, 12th, 13th of uh, June. And he'll be preaching both in the West Point service and in the Sarepta service. And he'll have some time with all of us. So bless you. Brian you. is going to preach. Let's uh, pray for him. Hold out your arms towards him. Lord, we thank you for the word that you've put on his heart. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that even today... As he, as he opens the, those words, you will soften our hearts and we'll hear what, hear what you are saying to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. So we often pray and we ask God to move amongst us. And when God moves, it should produce an expectation and an excitement and a joyful spirit. So can we just celebrate and clap and rejoice that the Holy Spirit is moving amongst us. And uh, God is working in our communities together. Today is Pentecost and we're going to preach. We're going to look at uh, the book of Acts at the account that is found in Acts chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there with me. Otherwise, it will come up on the screen. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each of them. Then when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit had enabled them. Friends, today we come together to celebrate Pentecost, to be in one place together to celebrate. But what exactly is Pentecost? For us today, we celebrate Pentecost because it is the official birthday of the church. If you didn't know that, it's your birthday. Today is the birthday of the church. It's the day the church of Christ was born. Pentecost is the day when God's spirit was poured out upon the gathered people of God. Or another way to say that in the Greek is the word ecclesia. Costa Mitchell, when I had a chat with him and and told him that we had this possibility of naming a a new possible church ecclesia, he uh, corrected me in his uh, Greek uh, knowledge and said that it's ecclesia, but uh, we're not Greek, so we'll say ecclesia. And uh, the people of God, the gathered people of God, were empowered by the Spirit to be the church. It's our birthday, so turn to someone next to you and wish them happy birthday, because we are the church, and it's our birthday. And so, happy birthday, everybody. I think it's quite significant that we are sharing the news of a possible birth of a new church. On this day, this is not something we orchestrated or planned ahead of time. Uh, We had a proposed announcement date or day where we were going to share this news with you, and it wasn't today. But by circumstances and events, today was the day, and I think it's possibly significant. But what did Pentecost mean for the disciples 2,000 years ago when Holy Spirit was poured out upon them? Well, Pentecost was actually a harvest festival which fell 50 days after the Passover. Passover was a celebration where the Jews would remember that they were set free from slavery in Egypt. And 50 days after that celebration, we come to the day of Pentecost. It is the busiest of all the Jewish feasts because actually it falls in May, as we know. And that made it really easy for the Israelite nation to travel from all around because of the weather conditions, etc. And so the Jews traveled to Jerusalem uh, from all the countries of the Mediterranean, and they came into the city of Jerusalem, and the city's population swelled. So there was a significant moment where men and women and children and young and old and black and white of every tribe, nation, and tongue would come together into one place to celebrate. Something of like what we maybe are doing today. And they would come together and they would offer the loaves of, the first loaves of the barley harvest. And they'd thank God for feeding them with his law. 
They knew that they were hungry. And that what fulfilled them was the presence of God. And it was at this time, obviously before Jesus, it was the law that was given to the Israelite nation that gave them access to the presence of God. Centuries before the law, uh, the Torah, would have been given to them on Mount Sinai, if we know that story, where Moses would go up on the mountain, get into the presence of God and receive the law. And that was 50 days after the Hebrew nation was saved from Egypt. And so they're in Egypt, they're in slavery, they are set free, they're in the wilderness for 50 days. Moses goes up a mountain, receives the law. This is what they are celebrating. And now what we do is we celebrate Pentecost 50 days after Easter. So I want you to see some parallels here for Pentecost 2,000 years ago and how uh, we are experiencing it. Firstly, the Jews were in slavery in Egypt. We, as you know, the, the people of God or the Israelites in this case, were in slavery because of sin. So the, the 2,000 years before this moment of Pentecost, uh, the, the Jewish nation were in Egypt and they're in slavery. The Jews were in slavery because of sin. Moses goes up Mount Sinai to receive the law. They're in the wilderness. Moses goes up a mountain, meaning Moses had to earn. He had to work his way up to the presence of God. By the way, if you've heard this before, Moses is actually a forerunner of Christ. He's the one who leads the people of God out of slavery into a promised future. And so Moses, as a promised sign of this Messiah to come, leads his people into a wilderness, earns and climbs his way up a mountain onto the top, gets into the presence of God. Jesus comes. He, we don't have to ascend or earn or achieve Jesus descends into our wilderness so that we can enter the presence of God. Moses then receives the law, and it's by earning and achieving and obedience to these prescribed rules and regulations that allows the Israelites to have access to the presence of God. We now, because of Easter, have a victory not based upon the right keeping of the law, but based upon the finished work of Christ that then gives us access to God. And you see, all of this has always been about God being with us, about his presence being amongst us, God our Father. God has desired since the first page of the Bible, from the beginning of creation, to be with us, Emmanuel, God with us, a physical banner over our church, our unified community right now is Emmanuel, God is with us. And at its core, Pentecost, just like the incarnation where God would submit himself to fallen humanity, become a baby born in a manger, is all about God coming into our fallen condition and allowing us to have access to the Father, not by climbing a mountain or by visiting a temple or carrying an ark around with us, God is actually making his way to us. He's stepping down, descending into our reality so that he can be with us. 
Another parallel we read in Acts chapter 2. Then they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in different tongues. What this is alluding to and presenting to us is the restoration and the redemption of the events that occurred in Babel. Uh, you might know the story of the, the, the guys at Babel building a tower. If you've heard that story, what they were doing at Babel was they were trying to earn through their own intelligence, ability, strength, and willpower. They were trying to build a tower so that they could get to God. It was all about them making their own personal way, relying on their own strength, ability, engineering skills to get themselves to God. What did God do? He said, you can't do this. So he confused their language and he scattered the people. But here at Pentecost, the disciples, they don't act in disobedience. They act in obedience. And what happens? The church of Christ is born. And when the church is born, the disciples, they are together. So there is no longer a scattering. There is a coming together of these people who were once scattered. They come together and they are now speaking in tongues or the literal translation here is other languages. And everybody who would have been confused beforehand are now receiving the message of Jesus, our message, the gospel, in their own mother tongue. And so instead of confusion and scattering, there is understanding, there is salvation, and there is unity. How beautiful is that? The church is born, and the overriding characteristic of the church is people coming together by the power of His Holy Spirit. And that's maybe us today. Another point worth noting is that uh, the people from every tribe, nation, and tongue are coming together, and this is a significant characteristic of what occurs in the local church when the church comes together and is empowered by God, empowered by His Spirit, the gathered people of God coming together. Another way of saying that is the Greek word ecclesia. Another parallel, last one. On Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19, there is fire on the mountain, and it represents the presence of God, saying the presence of God is within this fire. Tongues of fire now occur at this moment in Pentecost, and it's not one flame. It's one flame that spits into many and falls onto all of the disciples. And so similarly here, this is representing the presence of God for the disciples as they are now filled with his presence. The Holy Spirit. You see, friends, in the Old Testament, Holy Spirit would come and he would only be given to a very few select group of people, possibly judges, kings, prophets, as they were inspired and enabled to go and achieve specific or special tasks. Most people, you and me, we would never come to know the power and presence of God within us. If this was reserved for a very select few people, and it would, he would come, and it would be for a moment or a task, and he would leave. An example would be the high priest, who once a year would have this mandate to perform certain rituals and rites, again, kind of making his way to God by achieving and doing stuff. And then after he had cleansed and done all the things he needed to do in the temple, he was able to enter into God's presence behind the curtain for a limited period of time, get out because the presence of God was reserved and not available to everybody. God and his law was always outside of the everyday normal folk. Now, all of that is changing. A new day is dawning. It's called the age of the spirits. And this is where we live. 
Gordon Fee, in his book, he says that the best definition of who Holy Spirit is, is God's empowering presence. It's because the presence of God comes and empowers us to be with God and to be on mission. I want you to see this in Genesis chapter 1, first page of the Bible. We read, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the waters or the deep waters. And the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. What we see here, page one of the Bible, opening sentence of the Bible, uh, we see Holy Spirit present, right here. It's actually creation came about as, the, as God the Father willed by the work of the Spirit. It's actually Holy Spirit doing the work, bringing about this creation. And this is a symbol here uh, uh, we, we see in page one of the Bible of Holy Spirit hovering, hovering, fluttering. This is a symbol that gets used over and over and over again in the scriptures. We know this to be uh, more common as like a dove. This, this, this analogy of Holy Spirit hovering over the waters is the same language that would have been used to describe the way a dove would flutter over and fly around. And so what you see in scripture is this. You see in page one of the Bible, God is creating. Holy Spirit is there. He's fluttering like a dove, bringing about the will, plans, and purposes of God to bring about creation. Fast forward to the New Testament. What happens when Jesus is placed in the womb of Mary? Holy Spirit comes like a dove, fluttering, descends again over Mary, impregnates her. God is bringing about a new creation, a creation that is now not based upon, you know, or not rooted in sin and destruction because of Adam, but a new creation now birthed in Christ. And then we see again, fast forward 30 years, and Jesus is his baptism. What happens? His Holy Spirit comes. He descends like a dove, fluttering, and anoints and appoints Jesus for his ministry. Again, willing about the plans and purposes of God. Here at Pentecost, Holy Spirit comes. He flutters. He comes. He descends upon all of us as disciples, bringing about a whole new age, the age of the spirits. And so right here in the opening sentences of the Bible, we see this Holy Spirit at work. And here's the deal with Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it is a day of visitation. Holy Spirit would come and he would visit us. Sometimes he would show up and he would do some pretty amazing stuff. We see these accounts all through the Old Testament. But then right back into the background, he would go. He would do something with someone or a nation or a tribe, and then, and then he would disappear again. Holy Spirit would come. He would visit. He would fall upon a prophet, a judge, a priest, come upon a king, and then he would depart. He would leave. But this now is a day of visitation. But there was a day coming, and the prophets of the Old Testament would tell us about this, a day coming... Not a day of visitation, but a, a day of habitation. The Holy Spirit would come and dwell, live in and amongst us. There was a day coming that would be an age that would be hallmarked by the presence of God, where Holy Spirit would come and fill, come upon, live in and dwell amongst God's people. And the prophets wrote about this coming age, and they said that this coming age would be ushered in by someone they called the Anointed One or Messiah in Hebrew, or Christ in the Greek. And so enter King Jesus. He arrives on the scene. Jesus, God himself, becomes a man, submits himself to fallen humanity, lives the only perfect 
human life and pays the penalty for our sins, being beaten, suffering, and dying on a cross. He's buried in a tomb, but God, but God. God comes and he disrupts the whole narrative there by the power of his Holy Spirit. Jesus rises again. You should be excited now because this is our gospel. This is our message of salvation. Jesus comes, he rises, hope rises again, purpose rises again, meaning rises again. The victory is won and this is our message. This is the gospel. He appears to his disciples, he commissions them for mission and then he ascends into heaven. But before he leaves, he tells the disciples to wait. He says, wait for the parakletos, the helper. In fact, he actually says that it is better for him to go so that they can receive power from on high. Friends, power from on high. And he tells them to wait together. He says, go and wait together. Be together. Friends, the people of God are a gathered, unified people. There's no such thing as an individual disciple doing his or her walk with Christ all on their own. We are characterized, the church is characterized by a people coming together, being trained and equipped, and then being sent out from the gathered body to do the work of Christ. But we come together. And there is actually what we see here in the birth of this church, the church of Jesus Christ, us, our birthday, is that there is no room for disunity in the body of Christ. You see, friends, Holy Spirit comes and he produces love. He produces love in our hearts, love for God and love for each other. And so we, together, West Point Church, Sarepta Church, our together future, City Hill, the Baptist Church, together are on mission, leaving actually no room for personal comfort and preference within that mission. And so then the day of Pentecost arrives. And the Spirit of God descends upon them, and they are filled with Holy Spirit, and the church of Christ is now born. So what is the church? The church is a gathering of the people of God who are empowered by the presence of God so that they can be with God and then be on the mission of God. In Greek, it's the word ecclesia. And so the ecclesia are together. The disciples, they're in the upper room. Holy Spirit arrives just as Jesus promised because Jesus always keeps his word. And just as Jesus promised, the disciples are filled with his presence. Simon Ponsonby says, when the Bible speaks of being filled with the Holy Spirit, it is saying that one is consumed, taken over, impregnated, saturated, complete and replete with God's presence and power to be filled with the Holy Spirit leaves no room to be filled with anything else. Do you see what's happening here, friends? To be filled with the presence of God leaves no room for us to be filled with anything else. And being filled with the fullness of God, being filled with the fullness of Christ, is actually what it means to be filled with Holy Spirit. And so when we see ourselves operating within our own strength, within our own desires, trying to achieve our own plans and purposes, we've got to ask ourselves, am I living in the 
fullness of Christ? Am I submitting to his plans, his purposes, and his way in my life? And what we also need to know, friends, is that the presence of God is actually essential for the children of God. All throughout the Old Testament, as the Israelite nation tried to earn and achieve and make their way to God, they failed over and over and over again. But an age hallmarked by the presence of God in the people of God sees us doing what? Engaging and enjoying and dwelling with our Lord. So the presence of God is essential for us. The church can't be a church unless we have the presence of God amongst us. All we are is a group of people doing a bunch of nice things, singing some songs. But you place the presence of God within us, and what we have is the church of Christ. And so it's the presence of God within us, amongst us, empowering us. That is who we are. The defining characteristic of our togetherness is the presence of God within us. And so that's our vision. I know I speak for Alan and Milan and and your eldership team and our team and the church at large. Our vision as a church and even our future togetherness is the presence of God. What's our vision? It's the presence of God. The Holy Spirit in us is our vision. Because friends, get this, we are nothing without His presence. We are born again by the Spirit of God. We are transformed into new creations by the Spirit of God. Adopted as sons into the family of God. By the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God pours out the love of God into our hearts. And we see this in Jesus. His entire ministry is about the Spirit of God living in us. Jesus was actually, if you, if you read it carefully, the account of his life, he's actually preparing a way for our hearts to be renewed so that the Spirit of the living God can come and live in us. We see this over and over again. Jesus, born by the Spirit, lived a life empowered by the Spirit, showing us what ministry in the Spirit actually looks like so that we can follow that example. And then he couldn't wait for the result of his work to be achieved on the cross so that we can realize the reality of Holy Spirit being with us. You see, friends, through the cross, we are restored to God as Father, and we now can receive Holy Spirit. After his resurrection, which is also a work of the Spirit, by the way, uh, Jesus meets with his disciples, and what does he say to them? He says, receive the Holy Spirit. And so before we land this plane and, and, and enter into what I believe could have the potential to be a wonderful time of ministry and personal application for you and us as a gathered body, I want us to take a moment to think about those, those disciples, the guys that walked with Jesus and witness his death, witness his resurrection. Let's think about them for a moment. Jesus, he's left them. They're huddled together, and the religious leaders of the day, they want to find them, and they want to kill them. They have no answers. They have no idea what to do next. They're a bit confused. They have no hope, and they are hiding in their room. They are hiding in their room, isolating themselves from the rest of society. And the overwhelming emotion that they are possibly feeling would be one of anxiety and fear. And they have questions about the uncertainty of the future. It sounds like these disciples know what it's like to live in 2020 dealing with COVID. They're hiding. The emotion is anxiety and fear. And they have questions about the uncertainty of the future. Luckily, we can relate. 
But in the face of this adversity, in the face of fear and the uncertainty of what the future holds, they are obedient and they are faithful and God shows up. They are obedient and they are faithful and God shows up. They waited around. It would have been like 10 days before you know, they would have been together. Isolated, fear, anxiety. What do we do next? But they're obedient and they are faithful and God shows up. Friends, I want to ask us this morning, in what area of your life possibly is God calling you to obedience and faithfulness? In what area of your life right now do you need God to show up? Where do you need more of God in your life? In your marriage, your finances, your relationship, your health, your anxiety, your fear, the uncertainty of the future? Where do you need God to show up? In what area of your life right now do you need an increased measure of obedience and faithfulness to the Lord? Are we willing to trust in his promises that he will never leave us or forsake us? Are we willing to submit ourselves to the plans and purposes of God? Are we going to be obedient and are we going to be faithful? What happens here at Pentecost is he pours out his spirit and they rise up. They rise up in boldness and they are empowered for mission and then they go out. And in the face of adversity, uh, they proclaim the goodness of God. Let's just think about this. Their lives, even now, as they're empowered by the Spirit, they go out of this upper room. The religious leaders still want to come and take them out. People think that they're an absolute joke, that this whole thing is is not real. They they are slowly uh, going to start one by one to get persecuted and killed. But they go out in the face of adversity and fear and real physical legitimate pain, and they proclaim the goodness of God. Will we, friends, as a togethered people, Proclaim the goodness of God despite our own personal circumstances. Will we go out in maybe some anxiety and fear that we may feel and still proclaim the goodness of God because God is good? Amen. Is God good? He is. Will we proclaim His goodness? So they go out and they share the message of Jesus and the kingdom of God advances. How were they able to do this? Not by their own strength. Their own strength would have put them back in that upper room. Their own strength would have said, let's hunker down and wait till things calm down. No, they are empowered by His Spirit, by Holy Spirit, so that they can act in the plans and purposes of God. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And... uh, and I'm going to encourage you now, just as the band comes up, I want to pray. Holy Spirit, won't you speak to our hearts? I pray, Lord God, that none of us would leave today having, you know, maybe even questions about the future. Fear, anxiety, excitement, joy. I pray, Lord God, that the defining thing that happens in our hearts today is that we are closer to you. That we are excited to be with you. And so, what is Pentecost? Why do we celebrate? Well, Pentecost is the moment in human history where God, by His sovereign will, chooses to pour out His Spirit on His disciples, birthing the Christian church, empowering us for mission, and empowering us to know Him more. 
we are empowered to know God more. We never arrive at that place. These disciples, they like personally in the flesh knew Jesus, but they are empowered to know him more. Whether you've been a Christian for 10, 20, 30 years, or even you're still asking some questions, you can invite Holy Spirit into your heart and you can know Christ more. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? One definition by Simon Ponsonby is this. A constantly repeatable, deepening experience of God's Spirit who brings a greater revelation of the person and work of Christ, a blazing love for Christ, and a greater and more effective empowering witness to Christ, and a transforming conformity to the character of Christ. Friends, being filled with the Spirit means that we get a clear vision of Jesus. Holy Spirit illuminates the wonder and the beauty and the majesty of Christ to us. Holy Spirit allows us to step in, live in, and enjoy the love of Christ. And then we are empowered to become more like Him. I want to end with a little story of a young lawyer. You might have heard of him. His name is Charles Finney. He was one of the outstanding evangelists of the 19th century. He talks about his experience that he had with God by the power of Holy Spirit that actually catapulted him into not only knowing God more, but his whole ministry, which actually had a disproportionate effect on how many of us possibly even came to know Christ. As Charles Finney, this young lawyer, sat at his office desk, Holy Spirit descended upon him, and I quote, as waves and waves of liquid love. No words can express the wonderful love that shed aboard my heart. I wept aloud with joy in love. I literally bellowed out the unutterable gushings of my heart. How beautiful is that? Waves and waves of liquid love. No words can express the wonderful love that shed abroad my heart. And so the question I pose and end with today is, do you want to be with God? Would you like waves and waves of liquid love to shed abroad the love of Christ in your heart? Do you want more of God in your life, friends? Do you want more of the presence of God in your life? Do you want more of God? Not do you want to earn and achieve or have some kind of thing Do you want more of God? Because it's more of God in your life that will produce the joy that overcomes the anxiety and the fear. It's more of God in your life that will answer life's deepest questions of what is my purpose? What is my meaning? It's more of God. It's that we would be with Him, Emmanuel, God with us. The Spirit of the living God coming and dwelling in my heart producing love and joy and purpose and meaning and hope and peace that surpasses all understanding of 
Friends, the presence of God is what will craft you and shape you into everything you were created to be. And so I invite you to open up your hearts now and allow the Spirit of the living God to descend, to meet you, possibly even in your wilderness. There's no mountain you have to climb, no temple you have to visit. Just open your hearts and allow the Spirit of the living God to come and do what only He can do, which is share the love of Christ with you. You can stop striving. You don't have to be anything else. You you can fill the void in your life once and for all so that you don't have to hunger for love in earthly relationships. You don't have to buy more stuff. You don't have to prove your own worth. You can let God fill what only God can fill and immerse yourself in Jesus' reality. Can you stand with me this morning? I just want to invite you to close your eyes. You don't have to, just if you're comfortable. I'm going to ask you that question. Do you want more of God in your life? What area of your life do you need God to show up? Where do we need to be more obedient or more faithful? Do you want more of God in your life? Friends, if you want more of God in your life, not for a show or anything other than an act of physical declaration of what is possibly happening in your heart, I invite you to just lift your hands in a posture of reception because we're not climbing or earning or achieving or going anywhere. We're just receptive to what God wants to do. Let's live in a Jesus reality right now. Come Holy Spirit. Shed abroad the love of Christ in our hearts. flood our hearts I'm asking even now for waves waves of love just to flow over this place the love of God the love of God come Holy Spirit Ephesians says do not get drunk with wine but be filled with the Holy Spirit Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a once-off experience. It's a day-by-day, moment-by-moment. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that as we open our arms to you today, we say, fill us, Holy Spirit. Fill us to overflowing. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us. Fill us with your presence and awareness of your presence for the call that you have for us, the call to be witnesses, to go out in power. And so we thank you for your presence, your presence in us, Emmanuel, God with us. Just start worshiping the Lord. Just start thanking him. Say, welcome. I welcome you, Holy Spirit. You are welcome in my heart. There's nothing more important than we do. There is nothing more important that we do than pursuing the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, every single day. And so, Lord, today, we as a community choose 
just to serve you, to walk with you, to ask you, Holy Spirit, to come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Come. Comfort us. Comfort us. We have a a family in the community who have lost a son this, this week. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would send the comforter to them. That's one of the things you do. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. So we pray for the McReynolds household. We pray even as they, wherever they are now, we pray the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the comfort of the Holy Spirit on their hearts and their lives at having lost a son, having lost a husband, having lost a dad. We ask, Lord, that you would come and fill us. Lord, the pain you take away. And there are many people here today who have lost lots. But the Holy Spirit says, give yourself to me and I will restore. And rivers, rivers of living water will flow from you. So we're asking that for you today. We're asking it. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, you are welcome here. You are welcome. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. The Lord says to you today, those who are are lost, those who are are down, be intoxicated with the Holy Spirit, and it changes. It changes when we are intoxicated with the Holy Spirit, where He is our living. Our reason to live. He shows us Jesus. So pour your spirit out again afresh on us. As you did on the day of Pentecost. As you did when I was a little boy. When I was 15. And I was praying in the chapel. Right up low in the crypt at Michael House. A long, long time ago. And the Holy Spirit fell upon me. And I spoke in other tongues. So I pray, Lord, for a manifestation of the gifts amongst us. Just speak in tongues if you have that gift. We ask, Lord Jesus, come Holy Spirit. We need you. We're a thirsty, thirsty, thirsty people. We need you. We need you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that rivers, rivers of living waters are going to flow from us. So we thank you for that today, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's just worship him. Worship him. Thank you, Lord.